Welcome back to the podcast. You are listening to Let It Out with me. I'm your host, Katie Dalebout. And on this week's episode, I have a long form conversation with someone named Jenna. She's the Pilates unicorn on Instagram. We connected over the internet. I I got into Pilates a couple years ago. My best friend in Michigan became a Pilates teacher and I was teaching yoga at the time and yoga is really the only type of exercise I'd ever done and liked. But I talked about this in the last episode where I had a Pilates teacher on, which was the only other time I've had a Pilates teacher on with Anula, who owns a studio in my neighborhood here in the East Village that I love called Sixth Street Pilates. And we'll link to that one in the show notes. But anyway, I found Pilates because I'm hypermobile. So I have, I, I need more strengthening. And Pilates was something that my best friend, when she started teaching, I got into as well and really enjoyed. Anyway, I connected with Jenna through our friend Anula, and we had this conversation a couple months ago when she was in New York. She lives in Chicago. She's owned multiple Pilates studios. She's transitioned from that business to now hosting a podcast herself, and it's called Pilates Unfiltered. I'll link to it in the show notes. And we talk in this conversation about dance, about business, about transitions, about the fitness industry and body image and infertility and motherhood and non-attachment, and we cover quite a bit. I think you'll really like this episode. I hope you do. Again, it was recorded a couple months ago when she was in New York, and I'm going to get to it as quickly as possible. Thank you so much for listening as always. If you are new to the podcast, I talk to creative people, fascinating people every single week about their lives, where they're at right now, what they're learning, how they're growing, how they're changing. And it's my favorite thing I've ever done. I started this podcast in 2013 and I hope to do it until I'm 90. Who knows what podcasting will be like then, but I hope it's still happening because I really love this. If you want to start a podcast, let me know how I can help you. I would love to help you because I, again, this has given me so much from getting to network. I think podcasting is the new networking, which I say in this episode, I think. I've gotten to meet so many people that I maybe wouldn't have otherwise gotten to meet through the people who listen, through the people that I interview, and now I'm just rambling, so I'm going to get to the episode. But if you like it, share it with a friend, leave a review on iTunes, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts, and If you want to join the Patreon community, that's a great place to support the podcast. You can donate a dollar a month or more or less, I guess. You can do whatever you want or you can support the sponsors. That's a great way to support. But really just, you know, you being here and listening is great. Sharing it with a friend. And one more thing before we get to the episode, I just wanted to say thank you guys so much. Two years ago, today, the day I'm actually recording this, my book came out, which is also called Let It Out. Let It Out, subtitle being A Journey Through Journaling. Gabby Bernstein, who we talk a lot about in this episode, actually wrote the foreword. And it's a book, if you're new to the podcast, that is about journaling. It's 55 journaling prompts, journaling exercises, everything from about relationships or body image or organization. Anyway, it it chronicles my journey journaling. Journaling has been a really helpful tool for me for self-awareness, for understanding who I am in the world. And I started to recommend it to other people and got a lot of got a lot of feedback of, you know, I'm I'm not a writer, I wouldn't have anything to say. And that's why I wrote this book, because it's asking good questions. And I think if you ask yourself a good question, you'll get a good answer from your intuition. So if you haven't checked out the book, 
check it out. The link is in the show notes. You can get it at Barnes and Noble or on Amazon or wherever you buy books at the strand. I have signed copies and at the union square Barnes and Noble. If you're in New York city, there are signed copies. Anyway, I just wanted to say that if you want to win a signed copy, I'm going to give one away. So just comment on my most recent Instagram that promotes this episode of the podcast and just tell me, you know, why you want to read the book. You also have to leave a review of the podcast if you want to win the book because that would just be really nice. So make sure you leave a review of the podcast. Tell me that you left a review of the podcast and comment on my Instagram and I will choose a winner and stick around to the end. I'll let you know who's coming up on the show next week and the emoji for this episode. This week's episode is supported by something called Fit Fab Fun. It's a seasonal subscription box with full-size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. It retails for $49.99, but has a value for over $200. I don't even know how they do that, but that's amazing. And if you use the coupon code, let it out, that's let it out. You can get $10 off your first box, which you'll find at www.fitfabfun.com. I think it's a really interesting concept. It's really cool. This Fit Fab Fun box feels like Christmas four times a year when it comes in the mail. And the products include everything from makeup to candles, accessories, self-care products like a massage roller, travel products, beauty finds. It's really great. And you can customize the products, add on what you want each season. It's different and it's a surprise. And the thing that I really love is the membership also includes access to FitFab Fun TV, which has a variety of workouts and meditations that you can do anywhere. And I love that because I love to do workout videos at home. I think it's so much fun and I really like FitFab Fun and I think you guys will too. Just check it out. Again, you can get $10 off your first box by using the code let it out at checkout. That's let it out. And the items include everything from Tarte Makeup, which is a natural makeup line I like, Juice Beauty, which you know I also really love. There's so many great things in there. It's really fun and I think you guys will really like it. Thanks, FitFab Fun. Today's episode is supported by Branch Basics. It's a cleaning product line that I discovered and I love. All of their cleaning products use one multi-purpose concentrate that is diluted with water for various cleaning products from laundry detergent to bathroom cleaner to countertop spray. The best part is that they're 100% natural and toxin and fragrance free. And you guys know how important it is to get those harmful chemicals and fragrances out of your home and out of your body because we're constantly exposed to toxins. So if you can keep them out of your home, I think that's really great. And these cleaners are great for the environment and your home. And I just really love them. Branch Basics makes switching to natural cleaners so simple because it's literally one concentrate that replaces all of your cleaning needs. I'm saving a ton of money on cleaning products because I can just use this one single refillable concentrate for everything, which is significantly less expensive than similar single-use products. And on top of being an amazing product, the company is 
eco-conscious and sustainable, and they make cleaning simple and affordable and I just love them, and I think you really will too. I love having a clean apartment, maybe to a fault, and Branch Basics makes that really easy for me. So you can get 15% off your order on Branch Basics by going to bit.ly slash L-I-O Branch Basics and entering the code let it out at checkout. We'll have that link in the show notes. It's case sensitive, but again, the code is let it out. All caps the name of this podcast. Thank you Branch Basics. Happy cleaning, guys. So I've been really liking starting the podcast lately before we get into your past and your future and all the cool things you have coming up. And we talked a little bit on the train on the way here about some things, but I really want to dive into everything. And this podcast is really tangential, long form, love letter to you, basically. But I've been liking starting it before we get to the past and future in the present. Mm -hmm. So what have you been contemplating, thinking about, learning about recently, like in the past, you know, contemplating the past week or so that's coming up for you? Well, right now, this is going to sound like we'll, we'll cycle back. So it can make a little more sense, but this is absolutely what's up for me right now is that I am not feeling 100% called to be teaching one-on-one clients. Now that doesn't mean like I'm going to give them up tomorrow or anything like that because it's a big part of my my business still. But I've really been feeling like my expanded gifts, talents, interests, passion is lying in this realm of speaking. Mm -hmm. And I love it. And I think it loves me. You're so good at it. Thank you. Um, And I feel like at this moment, and it's this is just really honestly what's up right now, is that when I when I go and teach my clients, I love them dearly, and they've been with me for a very long time. And in some ways, I feel like I've failed them a bit based on the fact that it's like I almost haven't been able to give them wings to fly on their own. And, you know, for some of them in their later 70s, 80s even, I, we're going to be together for the foreseeable future. And that's wonderful. And they're, they're my women. And I, I'll, never, I'll never really not have them, I think. But for, like, the, the vast majority of people who have been working with me, they come to me because they get a high level of movement education. They come to me because we have a really great relationship. They know the content that I'm putting forward is always... Um, you know, inspired. Uh, I'm renewing things for myself, but I can't help but feel that maybe, like, when does that relationship evolve? Mm -hmm. Like, when is the graduation date? Because I also think that there's a lot of beauty that lies in them exploring movement in other realms. And what, what is really triggery for me is when clients say, well, you know, you're the best though. That scares me. Because that means there's a bit of a codependency relationship going on. And I know that while I might really have something that they need and be able to work with them, you know, based on our relationship, I know that there's more out there for them to discover. And I want them to take the tools that I've given them and really put them to use in the world. And I don't, 
I'm enticed by the space that that might free up in my life to pull me more into the realm of where I feel mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm really being of service right now, but it's an interesting transition. It makes me sad to feel that way, but at the same time, I'm really excited, like, okay, I'm acknowledging this, yeah. and what does that mean for me going forward? Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It's like a conflict. <laughs> okay, so I think we need to give people some context. Sure. So, you live in Chicago, yes. and you're, you're here visiting New York, doing a lot of things. So you started as a dancer. You're from the East Coast. Yes. And growing up, what was your relationship to movement like as a kid? What was your childhood like? You're one of three kids. Yes. Talk about all of that. All of it. Um, I never stopped moving. Like, I, In fact, it was my, my early memories are of my mom going like, chill for a second and I was always dancing always moving outside Um, my brother is four years younger than I am and there's a bigger gap between my sister and I so my brother and I were very much outdoor kids sports um, climbing anything playing in the in the yard making up creative games and so I've always had movement as an outlet of I think like self-expression yeah and so it became something that I wanted to do in terms of um, dancing, but also something that my mom was really excited for me to do. And I never felt pushed into anything at all. But when I became like, I think 10, 11, um, I started to get into, I was in a dance school that was more about cliques Mm. And, you know, there was, (laughs) there was me, Jenna, and then there were the Jennifer's. And I just, there were like four or five of them and they all just kind of went together, but I wasn't, that I was almost been, like that. Yeah. Like my name, like Caitlin, Katie, there was yeah. like a million Katie's and I feel like of like your generation was like Jennifer exactly. is like my cousin is your age and named Jennifer. Yes. Like. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, but I, but Jennifer's not my name. So it was like, I kind of fit in, but I didn't. And I felt like dance during that time became Something that I did, but I didn't really show my true passion for mm-hmm. it when I was in that clicky environment. Yeah. Like, I would dance more at home than I would in the studio, which didn't really make sense, but it, it did in yeah. a way. And then I think I was 16, and um, I had gone out for the basketball team so purely to please my father. Like, mm-hmm. there was no other motivation other than to, like, do something he would be really excited about because mm-hmm. he's a diehard sports fan. And I got on the team, and um, actually it was before that, but in, in any case, um, I got on the team, and he coached our team, and I played, and I never really loved basketball, but I liked being with him, and I liked doing that thing and having a little balance to the ballet. And um, at one point he said, honey, if you're going to be serious about something, you got to make a choice. Is it mm-hmm. going to be basketball and ballet? And I remember like, so such an emotional choice to make. Like, do I disappoint my dad? Yeah. Or do I follow my, my heart? And I just knew that it was basketball wasn't doing it for me the way that, that dance was. And when I chose dance that I just fully immersed myself into everything that I could get my hands on and bought VHS tapes and watched famous ballerinas and, um, you know, sat with a cassette tape player to record the music off the VCR so that I could try to, like, put 
um, choreography together yeah. in my living room and things like that. So I was just obsessed with it. I had a bumper sticker on my t- car that said, I'd rather be dancing. And that became my nickname throughout high school. Any, any joke that came up was like, well, what are we doing now? Well, Jenna would rather be dancing. And I, you know, so it was like that kind of, um, love wow. affair. Yeah. What did that mean for your relationship to your body? Initially, nothing. Well, it's kind of like, I have one particular memory of being in a show that we were doing called The Velveteen Rabbit. It was based on the book. And I remember it was during the time when everybody was going through puberty. And I was very flat and non-existent in every way, shape, and form. Um, And so there were a number of different colored unitards. And there was a white unitard. And all of the other girls had boobs and hair. And nobody could wear the white unitard. But I was the one who hadn't developed yet, so I got to be the white rabbit. (sighs) So I remember initially feeling like that was different. Like, I'm a little different than everybody. Um, And I don't know that I was a late bloomer or or anything like that, but I do remember coming back from um, a summer camp, a dance camp, essentially, and... Dressing how I had always dressed, which the style in the, you know, late 80s, early 90s was always, like, tight clothing. So I had, like, a bodysuit and jeans on, and I remember being noticed by guys at school, like, in a very big way, because all of a sudden I had boobs. But in dance, boobs meant, like, bad. That meant weight, and that meant, like, you didn't have that presentation of your chest that you I would watch on these very thin, very beautiful dancers. And um, I think that I really, I developed a, a big question mark about my body at that time. Like, what is, can I do this even? Because things are changing, and I have, like, stretch marks because I've grown, and these boobs that really aren't big, but they're there. And what, what am I going to do about them? And it's jarring. The yeah, yeah. Yeah. And nobody really talks you through these sorts of, you know, being 40 now, like I've gone through other changes and after mm-hmm. having a baby, nobody really talks you through these changes. Cause you almost don't pay, you almost don't notice them as they're happening. Yeah. Um, Gradual. so yeah. And I definitely developed some really poor relationship thoughts of around food and eating in general and um that went on through college but it was also um a social thing like we would we would all be existing on diet coke and whatever else throughout the week but not much of anything else and then we would have like a big remember we'd order steamed broccoli on the weekends from this chinese place as like a treat and we'd be excited because we were hungry (laughs) and we would just go crazy but interestingly enough you know we wouldn't be eating a lot but somehow beer never entered the we were in college so some i mean we wouldn't we couldn't drink a lot because we were in dance every single day, early morning to late night. But when things came up and we were, we were all, nobody was concerned about calories of a beer, but yet we wouldn't let ourselves eat a lot of food ever. And at some point, I think I just got hungry. You know, I don't like, I don't want to discount anybody's journey with eating disorders or, or anything like that, because I definitely was in that mindset and realm. But at some point I think I just got hungry and I think I just said, okay, I've got to do something because I feel I don't feel good. Yeah. My muscles don't feel good. Um, I actually remember describing to somebody. It feels kind of like there's poison running through my veins all the time because I would be really, really mm. sore. And I don't know if that has anything to do with um, 
I now know I have an autoimmune condition called Hashimoto's. I don't know if that was the beginning of that or if it was the nutritional aspect or if it's just the long hours, but I remember like that being kind of a, okay, I said that and nobody else said me too. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, I thought everybody had poison running through their brain brain and, and veins. Like, yeah. what's going on here? This is different. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I want to I wanna get to that. So you end up focusing on dance in high school mm-hmm. and your younger years. And then you go to college and decide that you want to study dance and you want that to be your profession? Yeah, I, I didn't want to go to school. I definitely wanted to enter the profession early. I wanted to, I had um, the unique opportunity to dance with Ballet Theater of Boston while I was kind of 17, 16, 17, 18. So I did Nutcracker and a couple other shows with them. And it was, I was in, I was not in the company, but I was dancing with the company, mm-hmm. if that made sense. Um, and it was super enticing. And I got to tour and I had a, like a, a small flirtation with one of the main dancers and that was so exciting to have be noticed by you yeah. know this great dancer and um I was in love with being a ballet dancer yeah. I did not have the full facility of a ballet dancer but I cranked out whatever I could could get at and I worked really hard um and it was tough for me but after kind of a season of auditioning and not getting anything, I, I had auditioned for schools as well. And I thought, okay, I'd said to my dad, if I get a job, I'm going to go for the job. But if I don't, I'll go for school. And I chose University of Hartford because their dance program was uh, in the in the ballet, so Hartford Ballet, which is no longer, was in this beautiful um, multi-purpose building. The ballet, the opera was there, and all of our classes would be right in that art space, which was like the next best thing to being in a company. Yeah. So, yeah. so you go to school, you're dancing, your relationship to your body at that time is sounds like it was pretty tumultuous, mm-hmm. and your relationship to movement is, you know everything dance Mm -hmm. then you know after college you decide to dance professionally and that's when you moved here yeah yeah and I should say that the shift for me with my body started after I took kinesiology at school Mm. because I had always been working with these very um famous and talented people who were maybe not educated to the best of their ability in muscle anatomy and function and so when I learned from my kinesiology teacher that a muscle did a thing and that if I could harness the way that that muscle did that thing that I could prove something like turnout or jumping and that there was an avenue towards making myself better without killing myself Mm -hmm. in the process I, that was so provocative to me and, and so exciting. And I started to think like, I was really pissed. I wanted everybody to know about that. I was, why don't, why didn't, why am I just finding out about this now? Why wasn't this told to me before? And, you know, people don't know what they don't know. Um, but in any case, it was, it was, that was a turning point. And I had at that point just let my ballet dream go because I had been really shepherded more into the modern dance arena in college and I was I was enjoying it and once I let the ballet dream go I really enjoyed it a lot more and so I sought out I auditioned in New York didn't happen for me um in New York 
And my thought was, I'll go to a smaller pond, so let's go to Chicago, which is not at all a smaller pond. Yeah. But, um, and I did, I danced for a, a while in Chicago, probably a good four years, um, all over the place, different art companies that were, um, you know, very artistic based. And then I did some like commercial things that I'd rather, I'm glad there were no cell phones around because I wore fishnets. I danced backup for Casey and the Sunshine Band. Oh my God. Yeah. At a very, at the Budweiser Christmas party in St. Louis. No lie. Yeah. I made a lot of money at that. I probably made. Fantastic. (laughs) Thank you. I shook my butt for that money. I made a lot of money at that one. Wow. But yeah. Well, I, I think that dance, I don't have any experience in it, but I've seen the movie Frances Ha. Have you seen that <laughs> no. movie? No. Oh, it's one of my favorite. Greta Gerwig, it's like one of my favorite movies. Okay. Anyway, you should watch it. It's yeah. It's super good. But it's such a, any any performance, any type of being an artist, and being a freelancer even, yeah. is uncertain and yes. tumultuous and challenging mentally and then also physically, and it just had to be such a challenging time for you so how did you handle that mentally and when did you decide that you wanted to focus on fitness and how did you find Pilates so I I mean I wasn't handling it well mentally um you know when you get into a competitive arena um it's it's hard because you're you're doing everything you think you should be doing Mm -hmm. you're trying to talk to the right people you're showing up some days your body works really well other days it doesn't um, you're always kind of peeking out the window at, at the majority of the classes I took was at Hubbard Street and um, Ruth Page Dance Center. So they're very, very professionally rich centers, always peeking out to see if anybody was watching. If anybody was watching, should I kick my leg a little higher this time? Can I make the jump yeah. a little better? And it was, it was, um, I have, I definitely have anxiety in my life and always have. And that is when I feel like, you know, really started to clutch into me almost to the point where um, I would self-sabotage in auditions. Mm. And I don't think I was consciously doing it, but I look back on my mindset and I would go in with this like, I've got this, I'm doing this, you know, I'm here and I'm present and I'd get up and it would be my group's turn and it would just fall apart. I'd forget everything. And I think that I'm being more dramatic about it because that's how I remember it. I don't think it was that dramatic in real life, but I just, I I was getting discouraged about what exactly was going on there. And so I just thought about it and I was like, okay, well, I've got to go to where I'm being called. And luckily I was, I had the opportunity to work with two great companies and one of them brought me back here to New York to perform. And, um, it was a great show. We were at the Joyce and it was, uh, reviewed popularly by the New York times and it was the dream. And at the end of that show, we got the news that a grant hadn't gone through. So we weren't going to get paid as much as we had thought. Mm. And I couldn't pay my rent that month month. And I had to call my dad. And it sucked. And I was tired of, like, wondering where the next paycheck was going to come from. I was working part-time at an animal hospital um, and killing myself there. And I thought maybe I'd become a vet, but I I just, I didn't have the heart for, like, the hard stuff with the animals. Um, And... I just didn't, I needed to know that there was going to be something else for me. I felt a little discouraged because I had this dance degree that was so rich, but it didn't apply to anything else that had a paycheck attached to it. And it felt really discouraging until I had hired a personal trainer as 
part of preparation for um, that show in New York on a credit card. And um, while I was working with him, I, he mentioned a muscle in the leg that I knew existed in the arm. And I was like, oh my God, do I know more than this guy? Like, do I, yeah. could I do this? Because I kind of like it. But I also have some of my own ideas that, and my dance, um, you know, career and, and experience Back with home. movement. Yeah. yeah, I feel like maybe I could add something really rich into this thing and and teach people how to do things because that yeah. was so life changing for me. So I um, I went and I got I used the rest of the credit card. <laughs> I signed up for a bodybuilding certification because it was like one of the ones that I could the only ones I could find where I could do a lot of the work online. And then the last part of it was going to be a, a like a five day engagement in Chicago. So I thought, okay, this this is good. And then the gym asked me to sub a Pilates class, and I was like, no. And they said, come on, let's do it. I said, I, don't, I hate Pilates. It hurts my back, hurts my neck. Every experience that I'd had with Pilates was so like harsh and ballistic and regimented that I just didn't, I, I didn't, there was nothing about it I liked. There was no freedom. There was no discovery. It was just like da 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 And even though like, some of that was true about lifting, at least I thought, well, you know, you're accomplishing something when you're lifting a weight. In Pilates, I just felt like I was hurting myself. So they said, well, we really need a sub. And they kind of were like, you're doing it. And so I ran out to the bookstore. I was not trained. I, um, I have a degree that's heavily steeped with pedagogy. So I know how to teach a class well. And I know how to build a class well. Um, and I bought like a popular Pilates book. And I just took those exercises and I worked through them in the class and they loved it. And I was like, crap. And so then the, the, ex the my manager at the health club said, you know, we have Pilates equipment. It's in the back hall. If you want to pursue this, there's definitely a place for a Pilates teacher at this club. We haven't had one for a long time. And I thought, okay, this is a unique opportunity. And then I, I found a way to do my first training for Pilates, first comprehensive with the equipment. And I basically started the program from the ground up at that club. Wow. So, yeah. So you start this program at this club, you build that, and then at some point you decide that you want to, you're like, I could do this better on my own and you yeah. start your own studio what was that experience like and yeah talk about that so I I knew I had had success building this program yeah. and I definitely thought well I could I'm making a lot of money for the health club I could do this myself yeah. now for like anyone who's ever interested in opening a business with that thought process now hindsight being 2020 I definitely could, did make that money. I could make that money. But what I didn't have was an accounting team, a housekeeping team, a marketing team, all of the things that, that the were gym. in place in the gym. Now all of that was on me in addition to doing the yeah. training. So that was kind of a realization. I know a lot of business owners go through that where if they make that sort of like big to small transition. Yeah. Um, but it was okay. It was okay. And initially I, I, um, I went out and I was in a very small corner of like a multi-purpose uh, gym where people were renting space and um to train their clients and then that just it wasn't a right fit for me and they were going to partner with me to open a studio within their space and I just I just felt like I had this message of going back to the education empowerment like how can we how can we take what we're learning into our lives and better ourselves in that way and then um so I, I kind of like found a space on Craigslist and just 
I, you know, I, I have red hair and definitely that Scottish temper. And it was after a day where somebody had said something just not great to me about Pilates. I don't even remember what it was, but they were making fun of the way I was breathing with my clients within this other gym. And I was like, that's it. I'm out. I'm doing this for myself. I found the space. I went, (laughs) I wrote the check. It was a shithole. Can we swear? It was a shithole. And I was like, all right, I got to get a business loan. I got to put this together. And that was kind of the start of, of the business owner journey. So So in between that time, you, this is, you told me this story on the train, which was my favorite part of this, but you were engaged to someone else when you moved to Mm -hmm. Chicago. Mm -hmm. You end up meeting your now husband at that gym. Mm -hmm. You call off the wedding two weeks before (laughs) the wedding. Yep. Which this could be a whole nother podcast. And is that, does this now overlap with you opening your business? Just so all of that happened just before, and so wow. what did you, was that like your Saturn return or like your yeah. big time of transition? I mean, I like I, I feel like I get hurtled into these like crazy times of transition. Like if yeah. it's going to transition, everything's going to transition for yeah. in my life always, and um, so yeah, I just I think that up until the time that I made the decision to call the wedding off. I had been living, and this would be, continue to be a theme throughout, I'd been living under the people-pleasing, mm. you know, area mm-hmm. and trying to do the right thing. But the right thing was in accordance with other people, yeah. their wants and needs, and not in accordance with with myself because I didn't really know what it was I wanted. I hadn't, I, I'd been so in involved in dance and almost playing parts that I didn't have this development I knew who I was as a dancer I knew who I was as a person in this relationship I wasn't really happy with that that person I had no idea who I was as as Jenna zero and um after that after I called the wedding off and we went through the fallout of that I mean I moved out into an apartment on my own I I just spent some time to kind of figure out what what is this what am I going to do with with my life now and I have this talent because I had started working in the gym at that time I had this talent and this beginning of a following um and I just I don't know that I would have opened a business without having had the courage to to kind of stand up for what I knew was the right move, even though it was so, so, so hard to do. So yeah. hard. Yeah. So you're, you've started this business. Are you married to your husband at oh, this no. point? No. Okay. So, you so just... yeah, I was 30, turning 30. <gasps> yeah. And I was like, okay, um, my relationship with my now husband was relatively new. We weren't, we weren't going to be getting married or anything anytime soon. We were very, um, we were both kind of on pace to just do the next stage of things. And I just, um, I had bought a condo, so that was awesome. And I was just kind of like, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? Okay. Like here's the business. And, um, I think that I remember thinking it was now or never, you know, like I'm, I'm going to do this now or never, and I don't want to, I I had a pretty good idea that Josh, my husband, was who I was going to marry, you know, I didn't, I wasn't really questioning that, but 
I didn't want to get into a marriage before I had really explored the possibilities of who I was as a person, business owner, professional, um, because it was really important to me to have that identity. And so when I called him after I wrote this, like, hasty check, he was, um, he was so supportive, and he was just like, I think it's great. I think it's exactly what you need to do. And um, the road as a business owner has been really bumpy, as it, as everyone's is who owns a brick and mortar. Uh, but he's been really supportive throughout. And uh, yeah, it's been, I don't think I could have gone this far without that support, you yeah. know, without him being there. And everything was going really, really well. We decided after that, after a year, we were going to try to get pregnant. And um, it, that was not going well. And that was a really really tough struggle um, that went on for almost the next three years. Mm. Um, IVF, IUI, uh, a lot of like misdiagnosis in the beginning and then... Did you know you had Hashimoto's at this time? I didn't, I did not. I knew I had been diagnosed with hypothyroid. Okay. And I attributed whatever it was I was feeling to the stress of being a business owner Mm -hmm. because as a business owner, I used to kind of gauge how successful I felt based on how much anxiety I would have that day. And it was, I didn't know I was doing it, but I can recognize it now. Like if I had that little, then I felt like I'd done something that day, but I didn't know how to rest. And I think that all of that wrapped up into, you know, the, what I know to be true about the way Hashi's manifest in my body now is that that anxiety completely depletes me Mm -hmm. and then you know you have the adrenal fatigue that goes along with that after the fact and it's just like there's it's just such a cyclical snowball effect um and I think that at that point where I was being treated for hypothyroid which is very different than Hashimoto's I think that the Hashis was contributing to my infertility and we didn't really know that at all and, and wouldn't really know it until much later when I actually had it like a um, after my son was born. So, you know, good news. I ended yeah. up getting pregnant. Yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler alert. He's three and a half now. Um, but yeah, after I after after that I had a, a solid diagnosis with Hashis and I was like, Oh, okay. I think this is starting to all make sense. Yeah. That something was going on in my body that wasn't allowing it to do what I thought it, it should do. And, um, and that time and new motherhood and, um, I left on maternity leave and a couple of my teachers that I thought were maybe going to really step up to the plate and take ownership. Uh, it just didn't happen. You know, they, they look, they, they, it was almost like an exit point for them, um, to go find, other employment, mm-hmm. um, where it might not have been happening in my studio. Like uh, I own the fact that I wasn't present, but also, um, I have a little bit of, uh, I'm sad about that time in the business because definitely I took a departure to see into a new role as, as a mother and, um, and as you should, you know, that yeah. was, but it affected everything. Yeah. And, and, and then my landlord in that business went in for, to foreclosure and um, we, the business or the building was taken over by the bank and there were tours that were regularly coming into the studio of prospective buyers that didn't want to own a Pilates studio. So I didn't, I was anxious again, like, would I be kicked out at yeah. a given time? And it became, it was right around the time where I would have renewed my lease and the bank told me what they were going to be charging me and it was astronomical and it would have, before infertility, 
with my crazy 80-hour work week, teaching almost 50 hours a week before that, I would have been able to handle it financially. Now it was it was not possible. Yeah. And so I was just kind of like, okay, I got to make a decision. And so we downsized to a smaller space. It was the best, most mature decision I've made as a business owner. I really, we whiteboarded the whole thing out. We, we did the financials. We looked at what the best course of action would be, close or downsize. Yeah. I chose to downsize because I wasn't done being a studio owner yeah, yet. You weren't ready. Not even close. But in the meantime, I had really started to get curious about like, I had been working for another company teaching their courses and I was just starting to get curious about like, okay, at what point do I start to contribute in terms of the content and the voice and the thoughts and ideas that I have as an educator beyond teaching someone else's work? And during the time of infertility, I had, I was unsure if I could have a child and it was really important to me to start to think about like, as a mother, who would I, what kind of lessons would I want to offer a child? Yeah. And at that time I wrote a children's book Mm. and I said, okay, should I not be able to have a child that I at least want to put this energy out in the world? Oh. Yeah. And so, um... It's uh, it's called Horatio Moves, and it's about my dog, oh my <laughs> and how he comes to the Pilates studio. It's a true story. He comes to the Pilates studio. I adopted him when I opened my first studio, and um, he, we talked. The book kind of chronicles him not knowing who he is, Aww. and feeling like he doesn't fit in with the other pups. And then he's brought into the Pilates studio, and then he learns how to move and enjoy his movements, and he discovers that his mismatched paws are really what makes him special. And then there's an invitation for kids to move at the end. So it's Aww. like one of my greatest accomplishments, and I've accomplished a lot, as you can tell from this conversation, but this was me, this was my message, Um, in the center of the message, it's, he, he found his true purpose to move from the heart, sharing joy and discovery with each body part, that's me, and that's what I wanted more of, Yeah, you know, so I just, I, I, I started to do a little more project work, and do you... Still, what is your relationship to Pilates now? Have personally, so, do you practice? Do yeah. You, what's... Yeah, I'm, so I practice probably three to four times a week, depending on what my schedule is. Um, a typical day for me looks like uh, going to the studio, work day. Um, I see three to four movement clients in person. Okay, so I, you have like a reformer in that Yeah, space? I have all... I, ha- I bought new equipment, new color, new, fresh, everything. Cool. So, But one of everything as opposed to four of everything yeah. with what I had in my other space. So... You're in this new studio, and you've let go of your business. What is your favorite part of your life right now? What are you most excited about? Uh, What's next? Yeah, what's next? Um, I'm really excited about what's next, but I don't know what it is because I feel like I'm I'm on simmer right now. Yeah, this goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning. Yeah, so I'm here in New York City. I'm an accomplished teacher. I present. I think I, I have my podcast, industry yeah. podcast. I'm well known. And yet, to assume that you can fill classes 
is is like it's a big ask to go into a major metropolitan city where there's a Pilates studio on every other corner yeah. and be like, oh, I'm here and would you like to come for a workshop with me? And sure enough, I asked our, our mutual friend, Anula, hey, yeah. would it be okay if I came and taught a class at your studio? And she said, absolutely. And it was filled within two hours. And then I was approached about um, speaking at Athleta today and I'm doing the podcast with you. Yeah. And it just like this weekend turned into this big kind of showing up and it's been so easy whereas if I look back on what we're talking about with my business everything was a struggle Mm. everything was a struggle and now it's it's becoming really easy yeah it's like that line Gabby says of you know sure sign you're relying on your own strength yeah you know, yes. sure. What is it? The line? It's like from A Course in Miracles, I think. But you know, struggle is a sure sign you're relying on your own yeah. strength. It's yeah. kind of like when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, or what's kind of aligned yeah. for you and your purpose. Then, which is a lofty word to say, but it's really true. It's I true, think yeah. things will align and things will be easy, and you'll just know intuitively. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think like just we're we're you know we're right after I did the speaking engagement and. I'm I'm writing out pages of notes this morning just to kind of write it down one more la- one last time because I had mentioned to you that I was having a little trouble transitioning from one yeah. thing to the next, and I don't know if you noticed, but I didn't pick the paper up once. Right. It was all there. I was in my flow. Yeah. I was in the right energy that I needed to be in. I was exactly where I was supposed to be, and that's I'm really looking forward to following the signs, and you know, woo woo or not, like. I have re- I've cultivated this awareness of what's in alignment with where I need to be and where I'm being called and what just isn't. Yeah. So case in point, I had uh, put in a bunch of applications to a large Pilates conference, um, and and they were they were good applications. It was a really tedious process to get them done. I I know that I sent them out with the ener- with the energy of like just exasperation like Mm -hmm. I can't believe I had to put this much work into doing what I I know I can excel at Mm -hmm. but blah 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 I just wasn't excited about you know pressing send on them and I didn't get any of them Mm. and also it it was it's the kind of venue where I wouldn't have been paid handsomely for the work that I did because these venues just don't don't pay. And so I'm excited to like, I saw it. I was like, why am I running into this brick wall over and over again? You're receiving this message that this is not where you're being called to show up. Stop forcing it. Sit back, relax, wait to see where the call is and understand that like by really acknowledging owning my worth and these skills that I have that not everyone has and this individual message that I've cultivated over years of struggle and heartache and rising up and surrender and growth that I'm ready to share those things in a very definite way with teachers but also with human beings with women even with men and um yeah that that is what I'm looking forward to. I just have no idea how it's going to yeah. manifest, and I think it's okay. Yeah, it is. I think it's totally okay. No, I, I totally get that, and I, I'm in kind of a, a similar transitional phase, which we can talk about later. But it's 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 exciting, yeah, and it's also really scary at the yeah. same time. I think moving to New York was a similar thing for me where I was saying you know like you have like a quote of like this season you're in or whatever and and during that season for me it was I saw I probably saw this like I don't know on on a t-shirt or Instagram it's like pretty cheesy but somebody said to me 
growth only happens when you're uncomfortable. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And at the time that really resonated with me because it felt so uncomfortable and it felt so big moving to New York city from the Midwest, Mm -hmm. but I knew it was what I was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And then I actually had this, I can say this to you and the people listening to this like healer woman. She's like super cool. And I was doing a session with her and I told her that quote and you know, she was asking me about my life and she was like, you're the best I've ever seen you. I was like in a new relationship yeah. that was going really well. And she's like, you're in such a great space. And I was updating her on my life and my move. And she's, and I told her, and I was like, yeah. And you know, I'm kind of nervous about it, but I, I saw this quote, you know, growth only happens when you're uncomfortable and blah, blah, blah. And she looked at me and she was like, why, why does it have to be uncomfortable? She's yeah. like, I get that. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. But you're, you're telling the universe, I want to grow and I want it to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And she was like, yeah. why don't you flip the script on that and be like, right. I want to grow. I want to change. I want to expand mm-hmm. and I want it to be filled with ease and yeah. love and yeah. serendipities and, you know, kismet happenings and that's what it was and I found the apartment and I got here or whatever and it, like yeah. it felt easy and I yeah. think that's what we're talking about of like totally. you know going through transitions it will be jarring because it's different but it doesn't have to be uncomfortable no. unless you make it uncomfortable exactly so I think that's just it's good to share about this sort of thing and talk about it because hearing other people do uncomfortable things during that time for me was so comforting for me mm-hmm. to just be like, okay, this is different, but yeah. it's not necessarily bad. Right, exactly. Yeah. I have a, I'm laughing or smiling because a good friend of mine, um, I was kind of in this in a similar like thought process, and yeah. she said, Jenna, let it be easy. But don't be pissed off if it is. Mm. And I was like, oh, right. Because I do. Because I, we get addicted to you struggle. We expect it to be, and yeah. We think that struggle equals worth or struggle equals achievement. Yeah. And it, there's a learning curve there because certainly I struggled through my dance career. I struggled through my first relationship. I struggled yeah. to make those transitions. I struggled through business locations. I struggled through those relationships. And You find comfort in that almost. Yeah, well, I know I can do it. Yeah. But I don't need to live my life on the daily as a survivor. Yeah. You know, I can actually live. I don't need to carry around. Like, there, I definitely um, can associate with the victim persona Mm -hmm. at times because when you are going through struggle, it's hard not to feel like it's being done to you. But as we know from the mutual work, a lot of it is being done for you so that you can learn from it, make different choices and realize that there is another way to do it. And now I I do feel like life is going to be full of struggles, but I don't choose to see it in that really bleak way. And when something is easy, I I am not going to do myself the disservice of judging it because that is where I fall short. Like that it's too good to be true thing. I don't have time for that. Yeah. Good needs to be true. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. It can't be any other way right now. Forever. Forever. Because when you, once you've been to the other side of this, like I don't know, you can, there's, there's a way to logic yourself through every good thing that happened oh well everything happens for a reason and oh well you got this because you did that I don't I feel that I'm a hundred percent being led Mm. I feel like I am not in charge of this I'm just following and showing up and And that's the best feeling oh my god it's so much pressure off my back (laughs) I mean you're essentially harnessing 
the universe, you know, like yeah. Gabby says, expect, expect yeah. miracles, yeah. expect good things to happen yeah. and not to be like, and I'm, I'm not there. Like I'm still, you know, I see my lucky thing is the two, 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 like, mm-hmm. Num, mm-hmm. like, yeah. And I see it. I'm like, Oh my God, can you believe it? I can't believe it. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And then I should just be like, Oh yeah, of course. That's yeah. right. That's right. You know, right. like, and right. it's still like, I, I still am shocked and happy and, yeah. and, and, but I choose to walk. It's a, better way for me to walk through the world believing that everything has meaning and that everything is connected yeah. and that I'm aligned with something greater yeah. than me is just a, a better way. People can believe whatever they want to believe and I think that that's great. Yeah. And it's just for me this this works and, and going back to what I was saying before about having you know especially in these times of transition and change like you need it more than ever and someone who's really good at harnessing that energy is, you know, a Gabby Bernstein yeah. and a million successful people are yeah. really good at harnessing that energy. Things right. line up for them. Things seem easy. And I think we block ourselves or I'll, I'll speak for myself. I block myself and I'm like, I'm just not getting it. I'm nothing's working yeah. out. I'm stuck. Like, yeah. it's like, well, yeah, because of my thinking. The only reason right. I'm stuck is because of my thinking. Right. And if I change my thinking, I can change my actions yeah. and I can change my reality of my life. Exactly. And, ma- and and working backwards and making that shift. So I was saying before, you know, I have like a quote for the time of my life that I'm in. And that one was like kind of silly because it didn't end up working out. But it was, I, I needed to reframe that yeah. the language in that. But one that I was doing a podcast a couple of weeks ago. And someone told me this quote. It's not her quote, but I don't know where she got it. But she was like, when you make space, the universe fills it. Mm-hmm. And right now, what the transition that I've kind of been in, it sounds like you're kind of in a similar space, is like what you, when you said simmering. Mm-hmm. I feel like that too of like, yeah, I, I lack that, that clarity of exactly what it is, but I'm not going to get the clarity until I give the universe the space to fill what the next thing is. Exactly. I need the white space. And yeah. I've been craving white space to simmer. And it yeah. sounds like you're kind of in that that transition now too, which yeah. I think is a, a scary but really exciting, beautiful place to be. Well, yeah, and it lets you release those definite assumptions that you had over how you thought things might be, which I think for me, those assumptions usually hold me back. Yeah. So I find myself in cycles of... Um, Mo- the 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 greatest hits of my like bad cycles are overbooking yeah especially in my studio space and not believing that less can equal more mm. but feeling like my output has to has to equal my input so to yeah. speak especially financially and i think that when i take a pause and i just I step back away from that anxiety and away from that moment of like needing to know every next step. And I, it's funny because I work with so many women and they all categorize themselves as planners and, and maybe with control issues. And I think Mm -hmm. we all have some element of of that just natural, you know, human nature wanting to have some expectations. But what what I, what that, those two things, being a planner and being a controller, I really think for me, it means that I'm being a resistor. Mm, Yes. I'm a hundred percent in this mode of needing to formulate things that have nothing to do with me. Like it's not my responsibility. What's happening to me in the future is actually none of my business. Yeah. So I need to just stop resisting that and start being open and making space like you're saying 
and and really being curious more yeah. than more than like controlling being curious about what the next step is or what's the next opportunity because when I when I found when I plotted out my career and I've hit the marks mm-hmm. but there there's that there's that almost like existential letdown that happens when you get something that you've been working mm. hard for that actually had it was not on your path or it had nothing to do with you you know it was yeah. like it was like it had nothing to do with you. Like, what you was can that go get it. I mean, any number of things. And and to be honest with you, I even went through it with my son. Like, I had to come to real terms with the fact that, um, that I didn't make that happen, that it happened for me because the process of infertility has so much control and so much planning involved that um, when I gave up is when I got pregnant. Yeah. And I got pregnant with intervention, like I, because it's a very sensitive topic um, for women going through infertility. But mentally say, gave so, up. Oh, I mentally gave yeah. up, and I just I I. You were I okay did. with either way. I was. I was ready to take a break, yep. and I was sad. Yeah, you let go of the clenching, and I did. And it's all non-attachment. Like that's exactly. how you manifest anything. Exactly, it's non-attachment. And that boy on paper should not be in this world, but yeah. he is in a big old way, you know, he's yeah. there in a huge way. And, um, it's the greatest lesson that yeah. I have. And, that, and that's such a great lesson of, of non-attachment of like anything I've wanted in my life, I've gotten when I've let go of my attachment to yeah. wanting it, you know, like yeah. I remember I got my book deal at Hay House, which was like something I really wanted. And then I totally like gave up it's like this like long story and I remember like telling Gabby and asking her to write the foreword and I told her that story and she's like oh yeah that's why you got it because you like didn't care yeah and you weren't attached to it like yeah, that's why you go. got it yeah right. so right. and and even like I kind of had the same thing with moving to or actually with the book that was like a huge thing like I remember April 5th 2016 April 5th, that was the publishing <laughs> day and I had this like big book party here at Ginger Snap and it was like this big thing and everyone came and I remember thinking like the next day everything's going to change yeah. and I'm going to be a star yeah. and like you know what happened when you see your book at Mords and Noble? Nothing. nothing. Literally oh nothing. I like, literally said the same thing about my business. Yeah. I sold my business and no one cared. Yeah. And it was not different. Yeah. And it's like all of this lead up to this big thing. Yeah. When what if it was just like, of course I'm going to publish a book. Yep. Totally. That. Yeah, I'm going to do the other thing. And these things that like we think will fulfill us don't fulfill it like even moving to New York like that was something I'd wanted to do forever and I did it and I'm here and it's amazing and that that's kind of different because I still have moments where I'm like oh my god I love her I can't believe it yeah but it, it was I, I finally felt like unattached to I really was loving where I was I was mm-hmm. in this new relationship I loved living in Detroit I had all these things and then finally like it became clear that I could just come here and do this and it was hard because I really loved where I was so much. It's like if you want to change, you have to kind of love where you are and, yeah. and instead of, you know, wanting to get out, like yeah. with leaving a job or with wanting something, it's, I think it's about loving and being grateful where you are so you can change the situation. Yeah. Yeah. That's what le- it's It goes back to non-attachment. Mm-hmm. It's like that's mm-hmm. how we, I believe the universe is something we can communicate with and have yeah. a relationship with and that's how of like showing gratitude for what we do have to make space to create the space for for what we want yeah and I think it's interesting because I had to learn the difference between non-attachment and detachment Mm. so like detachment being like I don't care 
like whatever happens happens but really like like almost having a negative thing to yeah. attach to it. like detachment is like mute it's like like sedate it doesn't have any energy to it yeah whereas non-attachment is i'm open to the possibilities regardless of the outcome detachment is like not caring at all and just like throwing away and almost being like i, I don't know almost and back to the story like i remember after our first failed IVF attempt, I remember I sat out on our deck and it was a thunderstorm and I was drinking a bottle of wine, no glass. (laughs) And I looked up at the sky and I was like, you can't do anything else to me. Bring it, you know? And, and it was like, that was a complete detachment. That was not faith. It was not non-attachment. And it was followed by, like, a pretty dark time that, like, was not going well. And yeah. um, and I look back on that, and I realized that, you know, spiritually where I was off was that I forgot what my dream was. And I always said my dream was to become a parent, and it didn't matter how I got there. And I, But it, my dream was not to stay on the infertility cycle for the rest of however long because I knew I wouldn't survive it so I thought um I forgot that it that it was to be lucky enough to become a parent yeah and when I practiced non-attachment when I was like you know what let's give it one more shot we were supposed to move on to donor eggs or surrogacy or whatever Mm -hmm. let's give it one more shot would you be willing I said to my doctor to give it one more shot I said yeah let's do it um Everything was bad that whole cycle. We got one embryo. I was like, well, the chances have le- never been lower. And I guess I'm just going to be ready. I will go through with it. And yeah. I'm going to be ready to see what happens yeah. um, after. And, I'll, and I'll, take, I'll give myself a break. Yeah. And sure enough, that was the one. Yeah. So it was just kind of a stark difference. But big. what... What has being a mother taught you and how, (laughs) yeah. Oh, so many things. Um, Like fierce, fierce love. Like I love him so much it makes me angry sometimes Mm -hmm. because I didn't know someone else could have that, that sort of power over me and also like hold a mirror up to the best and the worst parts of myself, you know, like the, the most creative, the most loving parts and also the parts that I struggle with, like patience and worry and anxiety. Um, he's taught me to see the world differently. There's just this unique time with all babies. I think when they, um, when they start to, to talk and they start to notice things and they're the most just basic things but they're looking at them for the first time literally with their mm-hmm. eyes and then that makes you look with your eyes for the first yeah, time and that's cool. magic and it's yeah. just like and he is funny and he is a master negotiator and he'll be like he pulls terms in that were never on the table for negotiations he's just like and in fact true story so the other night I was saying okay we have to take a break and eat dinner which means you need to put your pasty away for now and then we're gonna have a nice dinner together and he said no no mama first baba then ice cream (laughs) then play then dinner and I was like well some of these terms weren't on there so I was writing a contract for an upcoming event that I have and I was like 
No, 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 no. First this, then this, yeah. then this, then this. Thanks, Jackson. I'm going to throw in some terms that don't even yeah. Because if my three-year-old can do it, then why am I not doing that for myself? Yeah. Why am I not saying what I want? So much that he could teach you. Yeah. Very it's cool. Every day. Every day. That's so cool. It does help to have a little space away from him sometimes to really remember yeah. those lessons, though. I bet. Yeah. Well, in the second act of the podcast, I usually talk about the things that I ask everyone. I want to make sure I can do that with you. Yeah. So this is kind of a nice transition. We talk a lot about body image on this mm-hmm. podcast. And so mm-hmm. working in the fitness in- industry for so many years and being a dancer mm-hmm. and being a mother, mm-hmm. where are you with body image now? What is your relationship with your body now? And how has that grown and changed and transitioned? I usually frame this question as if you're having a bad body image moment, mm-hmm. you know, you felt fine in the morning, you get a weird look at yourself in a photo or in a mirror. Mm-hmm. How do you shift out of that and not let it become a bad body image day or mm-hmm. week? You know, where mm-hmm. are you with that now? Yeah. I mean, your stuff is always going to be your stuff. You know, it's, it's very like, it's very difficult to just completely erase thoughts that mm-hmm. you've had, especially with a, a very, um, you know, a history with body and body as identity. Yeah. Um, and that was, that's been me for so long and, and to a very small degree, it still is. So when I struggle, it usually comes from comparison mm-hmm. in which I have to remind myself that, you know, I'm a very old soul, but I have a very young heart. And so I kind of will compare myself to people who are, you know, 15 years younger than me and go, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Let's remember that who you are is more than what you look like. And, and let's also remember that what your body, what your body does for you. So my body has been there through thick and thin and has sustained and survived every bit of abuse that I've given Mm -hmm. it and has always shown up you know, sometimes for more, but most times just shown up, like she's always there and, and she's always going to be there, you know? So I think of that kind of archetype of having this support system, which is literally me, literally everything that works inside of me. And that's bigger than a dimple or a roll or a loose piece of skin or saggy boobs or whatever it is. And I have to be honest, like I don't really align with the whole, um, my body produced a baby. So like, I love every, every inch of, I'm not there yet. I'm not, I'm not quite there yet because I've had a lot of, um, a lot of postpartum issues, pain and things like that. But where I am at is that when I think about one of the things that Gabby says is that we are not humans having a spiritual experience. We are spirits having a human experience. That's what sucks me out of that spiral of, of poor body image. Um, I know that my body is capable. I have a high value for a deep squat to get down on the ground and back up. I know that I also have to listen to her because she is not always willing to go down the roads that we went down when we were 20. Um, and that when I do listen to her, she shows up double time and that's awesome, you know? So, and I've really been interested in lately in thinking about like, what are the other ways that I can nourish myself beyond just physically? Like how is my nutrition affecting my brain function? 
because I've worked with people who have had spinal cord injuries and like when that part of when part of your body your physical body isn't working then then it's kind of a uh, like a non-issue anymore it's just like I've got to work with what I have so I've been kind of looking and say okay well how am I nourishing this organ the organ of my skin or my heart or my liver or my brain or something like that and making it more multifaceted I think keeps me interested and it's just like it's the body image stuff for me it's just such old baggage and I recognize it some days it's harder than others but a lot of times it's like I mean, it helps being with my, <laughs> my my younger sister and being compared to, you know, wondering if we're around the same age. Yeah. That doesn't hurt, but, you know, if it's just... Do you look me, like you're 20. I'll take it, man. I will take it. I am not 20, but I'll take it. <laughs> well, you know, I think something interesting to talk to you about in particular is the fact that the fitness industry is growing and there's so much happening and and that's fantastic and and the diet industry unfortunately is growing and there's a lot of overlap there and there's a lot of dysfunction I Mm -hmm. think and as someone who's a fitness professional and from what I see with Pilates it's one of the the methods of fitness with the most talking and so how do you you know other things are like there's music the whole time so there's not really like and people talking to each other almost and yeah. like saying things about their bodies and comments like how do you handle that and what advice would you have to other fitness instructors or other people with body image and you know being I don't want to say body positive but being inclusive yeah. and yeah like not making people feel like they need to change I guess I think we have to focus on feeling and meaning over look and aesthetic which is hard but the truth of the matter is is that when you can infuse a sense of feeling or meaning you tap into an emotional response that automatically helps a person appreciate everything about themselves yeah when you're feeling happy you are so much less likely to beat yourself up which is really what a bad body image day is about and that might be simplifying a little bit because i know that like some of the body image issues that come up are very deep-seated and they have a lot more to do with you know family uh beliefs and how movement or body image is valued the way that food is available you know what what kind of dietary engagement you've had and what value on nutrition you've had as you're growing up and there's a lot of different facets but I do think that like teachers of fitness instructors teachers what have you trainers um, we need to be really really we need to honor what we know and teach that and not share anecdotal information with people in the realm of nutrition because I do believe Mm. that there is a lot of information out there but a a person's nutrition is individualized to their needs wants and body functions exactly and so when we try to slap on a diet on somebody that we see has worked for somebody else like all of the bs about whatever diet that whoever Hollywood is doing or this new trend or what have you it's like I, you need to make sure that that stuff is individualized for your client and that you have the knowledge to understand how it's going to affect them internally, externally, with any medications they might be taking, yeah. their lifestyle, yeah, energetically, their mental health, all of it. Yeah, their relationships. It. Yes. Because it's, food is not just fuel, it's connection Absolutely. and love and nourishment and 
to and it deny can be discouraging. Us. Yeah. 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 That's so well said and needed. And thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big, it's, it's, I don't like having pet peeves because that puts me in like this place of judgment, but I really, I'm really sad is what it is. I'm yeah. really sad when I hear a person suggesting something um, to somebody who either hasn't asked for it yes. or is in a really like when someone is asking for help with diet, with their body, movement, they're in a place of, of despair to a point. Yeah. They're in a place of desperation. And what they really need is a loving energy that says, how can I support you? And let's work together to find the best route for you and not a meal plan yeah. that's developed by somebody who has different protein needs than And is than definitely restrictive, probably. Yeah, I mean, like, we know what happens calorically, yeah. but what happens to your spirit? You restrict your nutrients, you restrict, yeah. restrict everything, yeah. your spirit. I mean, hunger is not a virtue. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> oh my God, all of that is so important and needed and... Oh, yeah, it's yeah. It, and and the other thing too, like that I that I still find I don't want to say triggering but jarring is some of the terrible language and fitness classes, not just Pilates but everything from yoga to bar to whatever. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm I I like going to fitness classes. I I work from home, so I like getting out of the house and yeah. going to do things, and it's fun. And uh, your talk was so great talking about this. I it lifts me up, and I feel like I can do my day, and it's mm-hmm. wonderful. However, there are some, I'll use the word pet peeves, I don't like that either, but things that make me really sad, like to use your language, when people say things like, I don't, I almost don't want to say this on the podcast, but I was in one the other day and this is like the worst of the worst when Mm -hmm. they say, earn your brunch. Yeah, screw you. Like, (laughs) yeah, it's It's just like, everyone can have, and it, it would get so caught in my head when I was younger of like well, today I'm having brunch and I uh, didn't do the workout before the brunch. And it's like, yeah. no, it's no. fine. So like, you're just on, a, you're, you're yeah. consistently on a cycle of punishing yeah, or like avoiding I, punishment. When I hear that, yeah. I'm just like, I went, my, my boyfriend had never done spinning before. And he came to a spinning class with me here in New York. I was like, oh, it'll be so fun. We'll just like fun, funny thing together. It's like bowling. You get the shoes and the, and we had the worst instructor. Yeah. Like this man was so... And, you know, like, yes. God bless, right. <laughs> whatever. Right. Like, he's right. on his own path, whatever. Right. <laughs> but he just was so saying all... The, and it was, a, it was a dude, so mm-hmm. he was very restrictive, had no... Like, I, I really resonate more with female teachers. Sure. It's just how I, I, I need nurturing and I need someone to, like, say my name and tell me I'm doing a good job every two minutes and, mm-hmm. like, tell me I'm okay and notice me. And, and he was just so, like, push, 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 really, really hard, yeah. very harsh, very, like, almost very very mean. And yeah. some people respond well to that. I don't at right. all. Right. And everything was about food and aesthetics. He talked mm-hmm. about food more than, like, any other fitness class I've ever been to. And I just kept looking at Nick and being like, it's not he was like no wonder you like why are you like and I was like no I swear it's not like that uh but it's just yeah it's really sad it's sad and I think it's all like ego crisis because you know what like what is the most attractive thing to the ego to cut down what's right in the mirror right yeah and what makes someone feel like they are more than or more worthy is when they have that piece of information that they can hold over somebody's head yeah so I I don't like that aspect of it where I'm going to pretend like I have the keys to your life's happiness 
in a recipe or a smoothie, you know, shake or whatever it is. That's not, that is in the role of a fitness professional, in my opinion, is to be a facilitator to a next stage of, of development, of growth, of perspective. That's our job. Show people what's possible, shepherd them through the way, send them out on their own, feeling like they can do it themselves. Mm -hmm. What we get a lot of times is use abusive language that triggers them into a submissive state so they'll keep coming back. And that's how memberships are sold, you know? I mean, unfortunately, but, but, you know, we're really ready to change the paradigm. When I say we, I we, I mean a lot of fitness professionals. We're ready to abandon the old. It's not ever going to go away because it still makes money, and that's the name of the game in fitness, honestly. Yeah. Like, fitness is not about wellness. That's a whole other industry. Fitness is about making money through, wow. through sweat. Look, there's got to be a stat somewhere, but I remember um, in the industry, the health clubs make more money of, off of unused memberships than they do off of memberships that are used because it costs them less money because people don't use the amenities. Right. That's the key. And I, I, it's not everybody's attention, intention across the board to be buying in. I think that many fitness professionals get into it because they truly want to help people. And some people, they just parrot what they've been taught. And if they've been abused in that way or they've been shamed in that way, they yeah. just do that because they think that's the way they're doing. They're, they're going and hopefully they'll be enlightened at some point yeah. um, to another way. I know I, I've done it too based on being a new teacher and, and having voices in my head from my, my teachers. But for me, it was like, there was one point where I was like, oh, that's not my baggage. That's your baggage. Why am I carrying that around? And I think that that's where a lot of us who are kind of in this new generation where, um, especially in the Pilates world, where we're not, we're not in the, in the space of like, we've done the education we're not like the pioneers of the education, but now we're the pioneers of the next stage of the education. And we're, we're, we're done with the old models. We're done with like the one size fits all. We're done with the cookie cutter things. We're done with rules, especially. We're all like, fuck the rules a hundred percent because we know that they don't apply to everyone. And we know that we have to show up and have presence and say, okay, what's going on in this room? Let me take a temperature of the room. Mm. Okay, does my class plan today fit this room? Oh, it absolutely doesn't. What else do I have at my disposal? Let me do that because my main concern is giving these people an experience that they deserve that will serve them beyond the hour that they're with yeah. me. That's that's where we're going, yeah. I think, I believe. Maybe in a small way, but hopefully yeah. it'll have a ripple. I mean, it's like the diet industry, too. It's like they thrive off of repeat customers of people like it's just this whole it's it's a scam it's just all it's a it's a scam and I think that's why the work that the conversation we're having right now and the work that you're doing is so important and needed speaking of this exact thing of educating educators and fitness professionals which is what you do in your work and with your podcast Mm -hmm. so how did you decide to start your podcast and tell people about your podcast so I it's so funny I um I I have always been a huge fan of podcasts um I've always loved talk radio and I think that Mm -hmm. actually goes back to my dad a lot too like having talk radio on in the car and um I just I thought it was a really beautiful, unique way to share my voice in an industry where I don't 
I wasn't finding the avenue. Like, when, when I was getting presenting work, I was presenting Pilates, so I wasn't presenting my thoughts about Pilates necessarily. Yeah. Maybe they'd sneak in. But um, I knew that there was a need for the conversations that were happening behind studio doors to come out in the open because it felt like there were a lot of tiny islands that felt like they had individualized problems when in reality, there were a, it's an industry with a lot of people with the same types of problems. And simply by acknowledging that that's happening, a lot of times people will just say, oh, I thought it was just me. The problem doesn't seem so big. Let me find a better solution for it. Yeah. So when I first wanted to start the podcast, I, um, I actually went to Michigan, as a matter oh. of fact, and I rented like an Airbnb with my dog. And for three days, I sat there and started to try to record stuff. And I had nothing to say. I was like, and, uh, and I was just, it was a miserable failure. I had zero to say. And um, I wasn't ready. And I still wanted to do it. So then later, maybe about three or four years later, I was talking with a couple of people in marketing and people who were doing online social media. And I was like, I want to start a podcast. Do you have any advice? And every single one of them said, don't do it. And I said, what do you mean don't do it? And they're like, well, it doesn't pay anything. It's a time suck. You'll find yourself, you know, it's, it's a nice idea and it might be fun for a little while, but like, don't do it. And I, so I didn't do it for a little while longer, and then I just finally came into my system one day, and I'm like, we're doing a fucking podcast. I don't really care anymore. I can't. I have these things. Yeah. They're now infiltrating into my client sessions for a great conversation, but you know, these aren't the people who need. They already know what my thoughts are. Yeah. They don't need to be having these conversations. I need to be having them with professionals so we can start what I refer to on my podcast as a revolution. And it's less of an anarchy-driven revolution, but it's more about like revolutionize the, the way we think about what we do and the way we think about our role within what we do because there is a lot that isn't serving us based on old paradigms and baggage and all of it yeah. so now um you know we just put it out and i said it's pilates it's a podcast for pilates people by pilates people um and it started to really like slowly spread. I've been very particular about having a spectrum of guests who are very well known to unknown. So we have a, a lot of different voices in the industry. Um, I've been cultivating my voice, doing short kind of producer's notes at the beginning. And within them lie either, uh, you know, uh, um, like a teaching lesson, more often than not, it's more like a spiritual lesson, things that we've been talking about here today of how to think of things differently and how to approach different situations. So they get a gem of knowledge or some, or, or a thought every week. Yeah. Um, I thought after our first season, we're going to sponsor this. There are plenty of businesses looking for exposure and we're yeah. getting some good numbers. And um, so we got sponsors and we're fully sponsored for four seasons. Um, and then we just got handpicked by Spotify to be on their on their platform, and we're it's the amazing. only Pilates podcast there because I mean because there are only three I think unless I'm not but also because I've been really driven that this is a vehicle to share my message. Yeah. And I thought maybe initially it would help get my get my voice out there um, to help fill courses or or what have you. And yeah, that's it's a benefit, but I never imagined the power of connection that it would have. Oh my yeah, god! I always say podcasting is the new networking. It is absolutely the truth. I have so many more relationships that are trusting relationships because we have conversations mm -hmm. like this. And like, it's a Pilates podcast, but we rarely talk about Pilates. It's yeah. really a teachers in you totally. know business persons, uh, you know cool. de personal development show, yeah. and. Um, 
and there's some Pilates talk in there, but it's, it's there for the support. These people who are teaching out in like small towns and they don't have the availability to go Mm -hmm. into a city or a big conference, they get some of that stuff through the podcast and they appreciate it. And they hear that, Oh, it's not just me that's feeling this way. And then for me, this is my contribution in keeping the Pilates industry going it from a from a support standpoint because yeah. we can continue to train teachers and train teachers but if they feel unfulfilled or lost or uncertain about who they are or what they're allowed to say or how they take their work into different communities if they don't know the answers or don't know how to how to have the conversations to find them then they're gonna we're gonna that's it the industry will yeah. implode at some point so yeah. I really feel that like I am doing a service for myself in cultivating my own voice and for the industry and giving an outlet for people to have conversations. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's so important. And I love the medium so much because of that exact piece of connection and making people feel less alone, you know, like it's such an intimate medium that, you know, we've been talking for like two hours Mm -hmm. and people are still listening and we're with them as they're doing these intimate parts of their days. And I think that's, really beautiful and I love it yeah same same okay so I want to ask you all of the questions that I normally do but we've been talking forever (laughs) so I'm going to do these as quick fire so I'll warn you they start off easier warm you up and then they get challenging okay. so just you know and like one or up. two one or two word answers kind of whatever you feel it okay. won't be one or two okay. words just not tangential yeah no okay. you no, you can be it okay it's just uh when you know I'm in no hurry but okay. I don't I also don't want to like keep you till your flight tomorrow so <laughs> okay favorite color oh this one what is that orange yeah it's, it's like beautiful. a coral it looks so good on you thank you favorite day of the week mm, Monday favorite hour of the day mm, three o'clock Best thing you've eaten in the last week? Gluten-free pizza. Greatest lesson on relationships? Mm. It's there. It's like, um, never make an assumption. Mm. Like, really keep yourself open to possibilities and talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Greatest lesson on motherhood. A deep breath goes a long, long way. <laughs> yeah. Greatest lesson on entrepreneurship. Mm, ask lots of questions, always. Greatest lesson on spirituality, God, what do you think happens when we die, all of that. Make it fit you. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you with all of that? And I am so connected to whatever we're going to call it, God, universe, you know, Fred, I don't know. Yeah. I, I did not grow up with a strong religious connection, but we mm-hmm. did have a strong spiritual element to our family in terms of nature. But having engaged into Gabby's work, having engaged into meditation in a very definite way, it's opened up a part of me that I didn't know was there. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I had been disconnected and missing for a long time. And I think that plays a huge role in where I'm at today and why I'm able to have these conversations and perspectives too. Yeah. How did you get into that? How did you get into meditation? How did you find Gabby's work? All of that. Honestly, this could be another hour. Um, (laughs) I found, uh, as I was making the transition into business and and into downsizing the business and 
um, new motherhood and postpartum depression to a degree. After I'd finished breastfeeding my son, I found myself engaged into kind of a group of moms who were like having wine on the regular. And it was a very good release for a while until it wasn't. And I started just recognizing some habits that I wasn't excited about. And I was like, okay, one of those is like, have I just, have I drank every single night this week? And whether it was one or three or whatever it was, I was just like, oh God, where am I going with this? And there was this kind of gray zone of, I wanted, the inspiration that was calling me was really, really strong. Um, I was afraid of it because everything else was so uncertain and I was using alcohol to soothe a lot Mm -hmm. and I kind I I knew it, I knew it, but I didn't know how not to do it because it seemed like everybody was doing it and you'd go over to a mom's friend and it didn't matter if it was 12 in the afternoon or four in the night or whatever. And wine would be open because we needed wine to deal with our kids. And I, there was something that was really out of alignment, but again, I had no idea how not to do it. And I found this online program called Hip Sobriety School because I wasn't in this place where I was like, oh, I need to go to AA or whatever. It was just like, I need, I need something different. And I think I need this out of my life right now because I don't like how I feel about myself when I've realized that I've drank again and I haven't really remedied the feelings that were underneath that about uncertainty of life and business and motherhood and self and all of those things. So I found Hip Sobriety School. It's an amazing resource and it taught me, it reignited my passion for meditation, which had been snuffed out through just trauma of, of infertility and motherhood and, um, and labor and delivery even. And, um, it reignited that passion for it. I forgot that part of myself. I forgot that connection. And I stopped drinking. And I started building strategies that would help in the tough moments where it was me and my son and, and I needed to figure it out, you know. And I started developing a relationship with myself again. And that was like all new because there was nothing there anymore. No, no smoke screen, no dance, no, you know big business owner, no alcohol, no nothing. It was just me and myself. And I needed to remember who she was and what she had gone through, but who she was and and what she was here to do. And um, through that work, the director said, you need to check out Gabby Bernstein. And I was kind of like, all right. And I remember watching a course of hers, like one of her kind of um, webinars and I didn't really know much about her work, but I sat down with a notebook while I was doing it. And at the end of the 45 minutes or whatever it was, I had answers to like 16 questions that had been plaguing me for the past 10 years. And I was like, well, all right. And then I wanted more. So I did a little more. And then I ended up doing her master class online because it fit the needs of the family. And then I ended up going to Kripalu and studying with her. And I just like that experience in the mountains cracked me open um in february to be two years sober so that's 100 percent. it's been the best decision i've ever made for myself no regrets um and i am on this path that again i think was just really meant for me to be on yeah. so oh, yeah and gabby's helped me a lot with i'm that. really glad we got yeah. that on the podcast it's really good so speaking of things that are helpful and 
things that put the mirror up in your face of like facing yourself. Mm -hmm. I wrote this book about journaling, which I have one for you. Don't let me forget. Um, but journaling is such a tremendous tool for me to, for self-awareness and for looking at my stuff Mm -hmm. in the face. Mm -hmm. And so I always like to ask people on the podcast, you know, is writing something that's ever beneficial to you? Do you ever journal? Do you ever, you know, write? I love to write. And I am absolutely in a space of being scared to go there right now because I know that once it starts to come out that I'm really going to have to do it. Yeah. Um, So I have, like, Band-Aids right now for that. Uh, One is a five-minute journal. I don't know Uh if you've seen that. It's, like, early in the morning or at end of the day. And it's just gratitude and just listing. And it, it helps. Um, another, and this might sound a little weird, but Instagram has been a really great outlet for me to just like jot a few thoughts down. And of course, it's not my deepest, darkest. Yeah, but it's my, a blog. But, yeah, but it's 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 nice. And I think um, I was writing a blog uh, both on infertility, and then I was writing one for movement. And um, I think I'm ready to pick that up again. So I'm in a revamp for my website, and I just said I need to make sure that there's an outlet for a blog there because I feel that you know I'm, I'm using. It's like I'm writing through my speaking in mm-hmm. many cases, but that I need to, I need to really record it. And I know that there is a project coming. I don't want to say it's a book or whatever. I, I know there's a story there. I mean, oh. <laughs> we've, we've gotten into it yeah, today. You can transcribe yeah. this. There you uh, go. I know we're done. Um, but I, I, a book with exercises. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, um, I feel like, uh, there, that's the one part of my soul that's missing. And I know I've been scared one of the challenges being a mom of a young child is you don't get to sit down when you're creatively infused. When you feel that spark, it's not always the right, it might be dinner time or playtime or any number of other things and you can't always just sit and get into it. And so it's, it's frustrating and I don't want to resent my motherhood because I can't get to my creativity Um, and actually at the event the other night, Gabby said, you know, part of our, she was talking to a mom, part of your spiritual journey or your assignment is your children. Like, how are you engaging with your children and not being pulled into like the enticing, you know, writing, hold up writing in your own space. And so I know it's going to come. Um, and I'm, I'm being patient and just getting a little bits where I, where I can. So that's amazing. Have you read Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic? Yeah. I feel like that's such a good one with with this sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, another thing I always ask everyone is about morning routines. So what are the first three things you do when you wake up in the morning, and how does that affect how the rest <laughs> of your day goes, and the first couple of things? Um, so I I've, I waffle between two, two different routines. For a while, I was getting up and doing, like, the lemon water and then doing, like, a very brief yoga practice or stretching practice or I have a chi machine, and then I love using the chi machine. What's that? It's, like, this little, um, you put your feet in it and you lay on your back and it does this little figure eight, so Ooh. it shakes you out in the morning. And it oh, gets my you God, I want going. that. Yeah, it's, like, a non-orgasmic orgasm. That's way. so like you cool. You just get a wave of, and it's really good. So I actually do that quite a bit, but I have... I have stepped away from the movement in the morning, not because I don't want it, but because I find that if my son wakes up during that time, 
honestly, it ruins it. And again, I'm avoiding situations where I might resent him for being yeah. free and needing his mom. Yeah. And I also, I think Ariana Huffington said sleep is self-care. And yeah. so I've been really allowing myself to sleep a little bit more in the morning and just letting it be what it is and putting it on a, on the value scale instead of feeling like guilty for not getting up. Because I know moms who get up at like four in the morning and they write a blog and then they do their workout and like, I, I, with my Hashimoto's, with everything in life, I cannot sustain yeah. that. And I have to really be honest about that. I can't do it. So. Yeah. And is that making them happy? Is that making them fulfilled? Maybe. Unclear. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. But we don't but know. Not, I, I just yeah. know that's not in alignment. I have exactly. tried. It's not, yeah. I am better if I sleep. So. No, I love that. Yeah. What about in the evening? How do you wind down? You're an entrepreneur. You're a mother. You're doing a million things. What are some things you do to like shut down and relax at the end of it long? Yeah. Um, Epsom salt bath for sure for sure that's like it not only is that like soothing for my soul but it's also really really good for if I have a flare or joint pain um I do we got rid of cable this year which was interesting so I might do like if I'm doing a Netflix thing I might watch something like that Mm -hmm. but I realized that I had been away from some audiobooks, and so now I'm trying to do a little bit of the audiobook in the evening. Sometimes I have to edit podcasts, sometimes I do a coaching call at night, but I know that like the working in the evening thing doesn't really serve me well, so if it's a really true, like good practice of self-care, it looks like an Epsom salt bath, salt bath an early night, um, and this is assuming my husband puts my, my son to bed. If I'm with him, then it's, you know, bath time, stories, we always uh, say what we're thankful for. Mm-hmm. He likes to. He likes a pretending story about himself, is what he calls. So I'll do that, and those things are so are nourishing to me too. And then I yeah. snuggle up, and I usually fall asleep with him. So it's just those are kind of the two two ends of the oh, spectrum. I love that. Well, thank you so much for doing this. The Yay. name of the podcast is Let It Out. Yeah. So I always ask that as the last question. What is there something that you wish that I would have asked you something that you love talking about Mm -hmm. that you never really get to talk about anything that you want to still let out I just want to ring you dry for all your Jenna wisdom yeah um hmm. the thing that came to mind so I'm just going to go with that is that um I want to encourage more women to choose actions that serve them in a very deep and meaningful way and be unapologetic for those Mm. things. Um, I find that it's just in our nature to make it easy for a lot of people, whether it's something that's, you know, in the topic of the news, like, you know, a cat call or harassment or something like that. Um, we just, it, it's in our nature to nurture and to, to not shake, to not rock the boat. And I think that it's not that we have to go violent or, or abrasive. We don't have to flip against our nature. But I do think that there's some real space, especially with the state of the world and women in it today, there's real space to start or continue considering our needs, asking for them, not apologizing for asking, and, and receiving, being able to receive. Because my, my theme of my life right now is, is I have time left in my life, and how do I make that time the most meaningful? And that doesn't mean that I have to be like on a meditation pillow 
until the end of days. It doesn't mean that I have to be working charity every single day. It just means that, like, how can I make the choices that serve myself, that lift me up, that allow me to be good to other people, to allow me to be good in the roles that I'm in, um, and and to really, like, to not apologize for those things. Mm. Well, that was so good, yeah, and it reminded me of something that I always ask people and I forgot, which is about feminism and about Mm. acting your feminism and just navigating the world as a woman and a business owner and a person and a mother and just being yourself in the world has that been challenging for you I'm sure at moments it has been like all women Mm -hmm. but how do you act your feminism and how do you navigate that I think that um it's almost like I, I try to just I try to be a good human, you know. I really do. I try to, I try to do. I try to take the actions that are going to benefit the whole. But the shift that I've taken is that I need to be. I need them to benefit me also, because in the past with the people pleasing things, like I could be a super good feminist, and I find myself kind of like wanting to post, um, to like share posts of other people who I really respect, but holding back because I haven't fully investigated what that opinion is for myself. So in, in the age of supporting women, um, I think it's important for us to continually question our opinions and investigate and find out more about them so that we can have conversations. And I think that's actually how women support women. I don't think that um, I see a lot of things where women supporting women looks like, you know, we're all at a retreat together holding hands or we all like weigh the same or um, we just, we call each other babe. We love each other. It's more than that. It's about like, it's about meeting people face to face and like in your own actions, you're considering what it would be like if you met the person who's going to be affected by your actions face to face, what would that be like for you? And and is that the decision that serves you and serves them or, or what's more important in, in this place? It's, it's a series of questions. I don't think that there is a hard and true answer for anything in life. And I think that we have to continually continually investigate where we're at and and that includes tough conversations and includes you know maybe some some easy ones too but I do I think that that's where I'm at it's it feels a little waffly but I I feel present in in each new element that comes up as it pertains to women's issues and feminism I feel that I'm present with them and that that is where I'm being called to be right now. Well said. Everything you said. We did it. All right, that was my episode with Jenna. Thank you so much for listening. I love you guys and I'm so grateful. If you liked this episode, share it with a friend and maybe leave a review on iTunes, maybe subscribe. Join our Facebook group. Too. That's a great way to connect with other people, to keep in touch with me and what's going on with me. I'm at Katie Dalebout on Instagram. Again, Jenna is the Pilates unicorn. Tweet at us. Let us know what's up, what you thought of this episode. If you have any questions, I would love to hear from you. 
And the emoji, I'll tell you in a second, but who's coming up on the show next week is Kathleen Shannon. She hosts the Being Boss podcast. Many of you know her. I love her. I think she's the best. And we have a really interesting conversation talking about all sorts of things. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. I hope you are subscribed. So I'll talk to you next week. And the emoji for this week's episode is the unicorn. And I know I've done that one before, but you know, I like that one. And Jen is the Pilates unicorn and you know, we're just doing the unicorn now. So if you are still listening right now, comment that on my Instagram and then Jenna's Instagram or tweet it at us to let me know that you're still listening. And again, thank you so much for listening. It means so much. I'll talk to you next week. Love you. Bye. This week's episode is supported by something called Fit Fab Fun. It's a seasonal subscription box with full-size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. It retails for $49.99, but has a value for over $200. I don't even know how they do that, but that's amazing. And if you use the coupon code LETITOUT, that's let it out, you can get $10 off your first box, which you'll find at www www.fitfabfun.com. I think it's a really interesting concept. It's really cool. This Fit Fab Fun box feels like Christmas four times a year when it comes in the mail. And the products include everything from makeup to candles, accessories, self-care products like a massage roller, travel products, beauty finds. It's really great and you can customize the products, add on what you want each season. It's different and it's a surprise. And the thing that I really love is the membership also includes access to FitFab Fun TV, which has a variety of workouts and meditations that you can do anywhere. And I love that because I love to do workout videos at home. I think it's so much fun and I really like Fit Fab Fun and I think you guys will too. Just check it out. Again, you can get $10 off your first box by using the code LETITOUT at checkout. That's let it out. And the items include everything from Tarte Makeup, which is a natural makeup line I like, Juice Beauty, which you know I also really love. There's so many great things in there. It's really fun and I think you guys will really like it. Thanks, FitFabFun. Today's episode is supported by Branch Basics. It's a cleaning product line that I discovered and I love. All of their cleaning products use one multi-purpose concentrate that is diluted with water for various cleaning products from laundry detergent to bathroom cleaner to countertop spray. The best part is that they're 100% natural and toxin and fragrance free. And you guys know how important it is to get those harmful chemicals and fragrances out of your home and out of your body because we're constantly exposed to toxins. So if you can keep them out of your home, I think that's really great. And these cleaners are great for the environment and your home. And I just really love them. Branch Basics makes switching to natural cleaners so simple because it's literally one concentrate that replaces all of your cleaning needs. I'm saving a ton of money on cleaning products because I can just use this one single refillable concentrate for everything, which is significantly less expensive than similar single-use products. And on top of being an amazing product, the company is 
eco-conscious and sustainable, and they make cleaning simple and affordable, and I just love them, and I think you really will too. I love having a clean apartment, maybe to a fault, and Branch Basics makes that really easy for me. So you can get 15% off your order on Branch Basics by going to bit.ly slash L-I-O Branch Basics and entering the code let it out at checkout. We'll have that link in the show notes. It's case sensitive, but again, the code is let it out. All caps the name of this podcast. Thank you Branch Basics. Happy cleaning, guys. The music you're hearing behind me now and all other original music in this episode is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. The album art is by artist Zoe Harmon and this podcast is produced and edited by Amanda Sharp and hosted by me. Katie Delbout, check out our website for show notes to everything mentioned.